Working as a professional podcast editor and producer, you learn all kinds of crazy things and you also see a lot of crazy things. And I thought it would be fun to invite another professional podcast editor onto the show to share some of the behind the scenes stuff with you. This is a great conversation with my new friend, Steve Stewart. My name is Carrie Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. This show is all about podcasting, how to do it, how not to do it, best practices, interesting news items that have to do with the realm of podcasting, and who knows what else. And I'm trying to do it all with a little bit of fun and some information to help you get a show going, keep yours going, or make it better. And if you like what's going on here on the show, I would appreciate it, oh, so appreciate it, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can find out how to do that at podcastfasttrack.com slash review. That's enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. Well, Steve Stewart, welcome to the Podcastification Podcast. Thanks, Carrie. Appreciate it. Now, Steve, I know a lot of people don't know you like I know you, and I don't pretend to know you really well, but I know that you're a podcast editor, just like me and some of the people on my team. And you also do some other stuff on the internet too. So why don't you give us a little thumbnail sketch of who Steve is and what he does? Well, it's kind of funny with the internet, things just kind of stay alive there. (laughs) I don't really do anything else now. It's kind of been a 12 month absorption into podcast production. And this is where all of the things I'm doing are headed now. What I had done was for over a decade, even while I was working a day job, I had been working on building a financial coaching business. And for almost two years, I, you know, I left the day job, went full time. But in the middle of 2016, I had so many people in the financial media industry who wanted some help with their podcast that I just ended up taking up all my time producing their shows for them. And it just took everything over. And I found that I really love it. I really enjoy it. And I'm making a, a living on it, so that which is kind of weird saying that. I mean, who could think that you could make a living editing podcasts? I'm sure you know, but most people think that making money in podcasts is really kind of hard to do. And then to pay someone to, to produce their shows, how do you make a living off of that? So that's what I do now. It's just all podcast production, mainly for people in the personal finance blogging genre. Well, that is super cool. I didn't realize that you had made that switch entirely. So congrats on that. Thank you. Especially since you enjoy it. That's always nice to have something you enjoy that puts the bread on the table. Yeah. So I'm even more excited to talk to you then because, (laughs) uh, you know, we're kind of in the same boat, so to speak. My story is, is very similar. It's one of the things I love about the internet in particular and doing business on the internet is you have time to kind of figure things out and iterate as you go. And uh, I still have way too many irons in the fire and I'm kind of in the process of honing things down. But this business has really been just such a blessing for my family and I and some others on our team. So I'm, I'm glad to have you in the same niche. What I was hoping we could do today, and I'm not sure how this is going to go, but I was hoping we could kind of maybe think through some of the clients we've worked with, scenarios we've run into and potentially do one of two things, either share things we've seen or heard that have been difficult to deal with from an editing perspective. And if we have some advice to share to our listeners about what to do instead of that, that would be better or more helpful for them, then we could do that. Or we could even just share, you know, this is a mistake I made. Uh, please don't do this sort of <laughs> stories. So, uh, those two. yeah, definitely are. I think one of the things I would I'd probably start off with that I've been noticing more lately, and it's really an easy fix, is you know, many clients think really hard about who to have as a guest on their show, and they should, and they reach out to that person and they actually get them on their show, which is a wonderful thing. And then it's kind of like the brain turns off at that point, and they just think, well, we're going to talk. Uh, that's great. I'll record it. But they, they don't think in terms of, 
who the person is on the other end and how much technical expertise do they actually have to know how to do this well. And so maybe Steve, you could share some of your tips for, you know, once you've got a guest on the line and you're going to have a recording with them, what are some things you can do to make that recording experience better from their end? What can they do and how can you coach them to make it a good recording? Well, I would actually start with before you actually get them on do this when you get them on your schedule before you ever actually get on the line with them. And that is just to make sure that you have an idea of what you want to discuss, to ask, to cover, and think of it in the way of what your audience wants to hear. I think some of the best podcasts as far as interview shows go are the ones where you kind of know the answer, but you're asking because you know your audience needs to know the answer. More than likely you as the host already have experience in this field, knowledge in this field. You kind of know the person already. I mean, sometimes you interview people you've already met and you know, but your audience listener probably has no idea who this person is or they've heard of them and they want to get to know the guest a little bit better. But, you know, they, how do they how do they know the questions to ask? They don't. So you got to make sure that you're prepared before you even hit record that you've got content or ideas of where the content should go. And then as you're recording, Make sure you're listening. Make sure you're listening to the guests, what they're saying. Maybe it leads you off the path of what you thought you were going to talk about, but then it leads you into a much deeper, more meaningful relationship. Just like podcasting is a niche, sometimes the topic can get really niche and that becomes a really, really powerful piece of the episode, something that a lot of people can learn from and take away. Yeah, at least in a, a niche-centered podcast, it should be that way, You know, where you're, you're taking people deeper into the understanding of the topic. And, and if you've got an expert on the show, what better way to do that mm-hmm. than to, you know, pick their brain, so to speak. So I, I totally appreciate that. Yeah. Know where you're going with the conversation, the kind of things you want to talk about. I think from a technical standpoint, some of the things that I've realized you have to think ahead about is your guest may or may not have a good way to give you their, their verbal audio, meaning they don't necessarily have a good quality microphone. Oh, it happens all the time. Yeah, they may not have even a headset microphone, which would be my next step down would be, you know, a headset with a little microphone on the side of it. Although one time, this is really a funny story. I was editing just a one-off show for somebody who had this terrible audio. They said that they wanted somebody to clean up for them and they contacted me. And so I took it on and, and man, I understand why it was terrible audio. It's because the guest was wearing a headset microphone. But she had the microphone right in front of her her mouth Mm -hmm. and you could hear every deep breath. You could hear every little mouth. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. just so, so crazy and difficult to edit, especially because in this case, the file wasn't provided to me in split tracks. Oh, that's the worst. It was just one mixed track. And so, you know, I had to return to the guy and say, you know, I really just can't. I can't do much with this because her, her breathing was just so strong and it wasn't anything other than realizing that that could happen, asking a simple question about what kind of microphone are you using and asking her to move it away from her mouth a little bit. I mean, that would have solved the problem. And maybe that brings up a different sort of point, but you know, if, if someone's listening and you're, you find yourself in the middle of a conversation and something like that is going on, don't feel like you can't stop the conversation and say, Hey, something's going on here. Can we figure it out? I mean, cause you can always edit, right? Right. That is probably the hardest thing to do is to think that you can interrupt the guest not sounding rude, but more importantly, not ruining the moment. Sometimes you're getting into this energy of this conversation. And if you stop them, all of a sudden they they might feel a little self-conscious or they might forget where they were. Plenty of times you, as, as an editor, you might hear somebody who stops and restarts and you try to edit them together and they were going really fast, really energetic. And then when they had a time to actually stop and then restart, then they're doing this whole, you know, purposeful speaking thing where our tempo has just changed. I don't know if you noticed that I was doing it on purpose just now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you kind of lose that momentum or it's just the atmosphere sounds a little bit different. So that is definitely a concern, but, but it's so important sometimes I wouldn't say that audio is important more than the content, but if you've got bad audio, people are going to notice. Somebody said that before. I wish I had the quote here. I should put it in a frame. It was wonderful. It's Oh, shoot, I should get it. But it's it's something about, you know, you know, the content can be good and we'll soldier through the bad audio. So the audio is not the king, the content is, but it's not hard to get good audio these days. We just have to take a few steps and think of what we're doing. And I'm like you, I, 
I hear that all the time now. And I'd started off my podcast with a Logitech headset because that was before the day of of more of the popular USB microphones. And I wasn't ready to go spend 300 and some bucks for a, a Heil PR40. Yeah. And a mixer and everything to use it yeah. with. Yeah. And I was on the road too. So it was just, it made it easier for me to bring my little headset together with me, but that thing was right up in front of my mouth. So it picked up every breath, every little click in the back of my throat. I still have this problem with the back of my throat where you might even hear it in this audio, unless Carrie cleans it up really nice, where I got this <laughs> little, yeah, this little tick and this click in the back of my throat drives me crazy. And I hear it in some of my clients' shows as well, and it takes a little extra time to clean up. But if you can do a little bit of prep or a little bit of practice, sometimes you, the host, know how to fix that, but your guest doesn't. So I definitely like the idea of starting off with, uh, you know, making it easier for your guest to get on the, the air, but maybe you can give them some pointers on what they can do to make their audio sound a little bit better. And I would give yourself five minutes for a little bit of pre-show chit-chat checking your sound levels, checking, making sure that your mic is picked up, you know, the right one is being picked up, make sure their correct microphone is picked up. Uh, I've got a client who has recorded probably 30 episodes with the, um, it's the ATR 2500, I think it is. Anyway, it's, it's a microphone that it, it goes in from the side. The, the audio comes in from one side. It's not a top fire or anything like that, but he had it turned towards the wall. <laughs> oh no. Not realizing that it was backwards. Cause it looks the same from both ends, except one side has like the dial and the place you plug in your headphone. But he thought that goes to the other side because he was doing webinar video. Uh, you know, he's recording the video and everything. So now his audio has been picked up from bouncing off the wall behind him and back into the microphone. And it's just a, you know, it's heavy reverb, makes it very difficult to edit when you got reverb you got to deal with. Yeah, so knowing your equipment is an important thing. Let me let me ask you something on that. If you were recommending to a guest, here are the options for type of microphone to use. Here's my first choice, second choice, third choice, you know, from expensive to least expensive. What would your preferred criteria be for that recommendation? I got to stick with the ATR2100 just because it's plug and play. It's a decent microphone. It's what, 70 bucks usually. Comes a little. Sometimes less. Yeah, sometimes less, but everything goes like that. Sometimes you get a good deal. But it's just so easy. I've had my ATR2100, which is what I'm using right now, right there. <laughs> I've been using that on the road too, taking it with me everywhere. And uh, it's, it's never failed me. You know, it's, it's served me well. It doesn't pick up all the room noise, which is good, but it also doesn't pick up all the audio that you want. So it's not the best microphone, but it's better than, you know, than, than the earbuds. And that's what, that's probably what I would go with. Secondly, if they may not want to spend 70 bucks for a microphone, so they might only have the earbuds with their smartphone. And I've had so many interviews with people who have been on landline phones as a guest, and you just cannot get good audio from your guest. If they're using a landline phone, the nope. compression is, it, it, what is it like 8,000 for landline phone versus 32,000. What's the bit rate? I think it's 32,000. Yeah, it's, cr it's crazy low. Yeah. You just can't get good audio from a landline phone, but most people have a smartphone and they could just talk into their smartphone and, and you're going to get a better audio quality. If they can go through their smartphone and talk through the Skype app or something like that, they're going to get better audio. But then if they've got the microphone on their earbuds, that's one step closer to getting better audio so long as they don't handle the microphone, they don't move it around too much, they don't stick it in front of their mouth, so they don't catch all the mouth noises or the pop peas and stuff like that, you can get really good audio from those Apple earbuds. Yeah, a lot better than you would think. One story I remember about earbuds was we had this recording where it just had this weird noise every now and then that sounded like a squirrel was scratching, trying to get into your house or something. I mean, it was just terrible. And, you know, talk to them about it. Ask them, you know, do you have any idea what this is, where this might've come from? And he said, well, I did this on Skype. Let me look at the video. And he had recorded the video and we're, we're watching and it's that earbud mic rubbing on a zipper mm -hmm. on, on the lady's uh, blouse or whatever. And, and we're like, Oh, that's what it is. So, since then, that's kind of gone into our suggested best practices for clients is, you know, if you're doing on video, check out the placement of that microphone on your guest and recommend to them where to put it or to be aware of it or whatever, so that you don't get things like that. Absolutely. It can be such a subtle thing in the background that you don't even notice it while you're recording. But then when it goes time to edit, man, it's just, it's just so distracting. 
Yeah, that's the funny thing is when you're recording, you might your ears are listening to what they're saying. It's not listening necessarily to the actual audio quality because then you kind of lose what the conversation's about. And it's funny how the human mind is forgiving on audio. We can be in a, a crowded room listening to, you know, we're in a little circle with four or five people, but we're in a room of a thousand. Really noise, like a conference, you know. But yet we can still hear the people who are near us, even though there's so much noise that, you know, if you just closed your eyes, it'd be a little more difficult to understand that person who's right in front of you. So our minds kind of make up those noises, those bridge between the interruptions of, you know, the the rattling over here and the other conversations happening right around you. Somehow our brains can focus in on that and kind of recreate what they're saying, even though our ears may not be hearing it clear enough. And that's kind of an entrepreneurial lesson right there. You know, you, your brain really will focus in on what you intentionally are focusing on. And, you know, when it comes to time to edit your show, well, you're focused on editing. You're not necessarily focused on what they said because you've already gotten through that part. And that's when those noises will just jump out at you and you realize, oh, I missed that completely. I should have done something about that in the in the moment. But, you know, those are learning lessons. Those mm-hmm. are times when you can remind yourself or put it on your checklist for next time to check mic placement and that kind of stuff. I've also had guests where they're like this, you know, talking oh, so close. Stop. Please That's, stop. That is, that is awful, isn't it? Yes, please stop. <laughs> I mean, the buzzing of the diaphragm inside that microphone can be painful. Oh, it, it can just be awful. And man, I just sometimes wish I had clients who had noticed that in the moment because, you know, you're doing the editing of an hour long episode in a good interview. You know, the the guest is talking 70% of the time. So your ears are just dead by the end of the thing. But, you know, just another uh, lesson learned, you know, just just ask your guest how close are they to the microphone? You know, six to eight inches is good on most microphones and you're good to go. You know, it's, I mean, imagine the distance between the little microphone and the earbuds and your mouth, you know, it's, it's four inches, five inches. That's usually where you would want a mic as well. So if you hear a buzzing like that, man, ask him to back off of that mic. Painful, painful stuff. So, Steve, tell me some of the things you've seen your clients do well, things that when you get that audio, you just love editing this show because they do blank. What is it they do that makes it so pleasurable to edit? I think starting with how you record is probably the biggest thing, because when I get a file, if I can somehow, if it's not already, if I can somehow split the tracks where you've got the host on one track, your guest on another And if you've got a third guest, hey, you know what? Send me a third file with them only. That makes a world of difference because when you have just your piece of the conversation in one channel, and that could be you're on the left channel and they're on the right channel. It could be that your recording uh, software recorded two separate tracks. If you can do that, that makes a world of difference because then I can sit there and do some noise reduction in case there's a, uh, uh, let, let me give you an example that might explain a little bit better. I've got one podcast that half of their show is a panel discussion and they use Zencaster, which is the service that we're using right now to record this. And Zencaster will record a separate track for each guest in the room. Then all I have to do is import each one of those tracks. And here it is, four of them that they have. You import it into your DAW, your digital audio software, and then you can just start editing from there. But each one is separate. So that the one girl who has her set up in a room where you can hear the furnace, you can hear the air conditioning, it's really prevalent. I can do some noise reduction to take most of that out. And that cleans up the audio better for her track without having to adjust the other three as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Separate tracks is, is, you know, if I can do anything to get somebody to record separate tracks, I'm going to direct them in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you. I often refer to this to help people understand what it is we're talking about, is that once you mix all the ingredients of a cake, they're a cake. They're no longer individual ingredients. And a track, an audio track that is recorded and already mixed together is the very same way. We just can't separate out two people talking over each other if it's in the same audio track. So the best bet is to record it separately. Anyway, it's like having, you know, keeping the ingredients separate 
for the time being. Mm -hmm. And then when we finish editing, we mix it all together and it makes one, one good track that's going to go, you know, into iTunes or wherever. But, you know, for editing, man, those separate tracks are a lifesaver so many times. I remember one time I had a guy who was, I don't know exactly what he was doing in the background, but you could hear every now and then these bumps and scrapes and creaks. And, you know, it may have been just a noisy chair that he was sitting in or something. But man, in the audio, it just sounded like, you know, he was in a haunted house or something. <laughs> and, you know, occasionally they would happen while he was speaking. And you can do a little bit for that, but not not usually very much. But most of the time, it was like when he took a breath or while the other guy was talking, he would readjust his position or something to make all that noise. And because they were in separate tracks, you could just remove all that. And nobody ever knew. So good example and a great point there, Steve. Yep. Dog barking, leaf blowing, kid walks in the room. We don't know that ever happens, right? That never happens. <laughs> no, no. I had a, I had a, uh, names are withheld. Names are redacted <laughs> to protect the guilty. But I had a, a client once whose kid came in the room while he was recording and the, the dad, or maybe it was his guest. I think it was his guest and the dad and the kid commenced to have a whining argument with each other while this thing is still recording, you know? And so the kids whining and whining and the dad's whining back at him. I told you said you would stay out of here, you know, and it was just so comical. <laughs> it's one of those things I wished I could have tagged on to the end of the episode as an outtake, but you know, you don't want to do that to a client or their guest. but it was just so funny. That kind of stuff does happen. Yeah. And don't delete that stuff. Sometimes you can put it aside. And, and if you've got a, a show or a client who kind of likes to have those, those blooper reels at the end, it definitely keeps people glued to the end of the show if you put those bloopers at the end. <laughs> yeah, I do that sometimes. And it also serves up great blackmail material sometimes too. So uh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> blackmail is illegal. So anything else you can think of, Steve, that clients that, that do it well, they, say, they send you audio and it's just a joy to work with. Well, I really appreciate when they've got the files uploaded and they give me their, their they've got everything there for me all at one time. Uh, they can obviously record their introduction and their outro later and upload that later, which is fine. But when they get their show notes, you know, if they're writing their own little description or they're giving the title that they want and it's all there, you know, boom, I, I've got every piece that I need to get that finished product uploaded to their Libsyn account or back to them, however they want it. And, you know, I, I, I hate when those I've got I've got three episodes here. I'm trying to get ahead before I go on vacation. So I've got three episodes for a client that are ready to go. And all I need then is their show description, their title, and I could I can upload that and I don't have to worry about them for like a month. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, if you could think of it as, you know, any kind of service business that you have doing work for you, they need to know the details of what you want and how you want it. Yeah. And it's your job to provide that to them, even if it is a few resources they're going to need to do that. And that's really what Steve's talking about is, you know, audio editors, show notes, writers, whatever it is, they need certain particular resources to yes. do their job well. And, and a lot of that stuff, they already have the bulk of it. If you think about it, most hosts should have an idea of what they're going to talk about. I'm hoping that they've got maybe an outline, maybe a list of questionnaires, whatever that they're going to use. Uh, the bio, they've already got probably a bunch of those resources so that as soon as they're done hitting record on the interview, they could start putting some of that stuff together for you. So like an outline, you know, the summary of description, then it's just written from there and, and it just makes it a lot easier for them, which then of course makes it quicker for me to be able to finish the production on their show. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I totally appreciate that too. And clients have, have done their job so that you can do your job. It's one of those things that's just necessary. You know, it's easy to, to get rolling in a, in a workflow and feel like, oh man, I'm so relieved. got that, that episode recorded, throw it in a Dropbox or whatever you're using and, and forget about it and miss other little pieces, which I guess leads me to another little point. I think it behooves every podcaster to create a workflow process of some sort, which could be nothing more than just a bullet point outline of the steps you take to properly produce your show, which, you know, may be everything from, you know, setting up your interview, contacting your interviewee, you know, all those things down to hit the record button, <laughs> you know, upload to Dropbox, pass to the audio editor, you know, whatever it is that's in your particular thing. You know, if you have a bullet point list that you methodically follow every episode, you're sure not to miss things. Yep, absolutely. 
Yeah. And it took me a long time to learn that, you know, I, I would get frustrated, man, why did I forget that? Or why did I forget that? And, and I think what helped me was reading the book, getting things done. David Allen makes a really great point that the human brain is not meant to hold lots of trivial data. It's meant to process and ponder and think and be creative. And so we've got to get that trivial data out of our brains and onto some reliable method or source, which a bullet point outline could be. So uh, for podcasting, that that has saved my bacon numerous times. <laughs> yeah, I've got one client who keeps her copy of her workflow. It's three pages in a Word document, keeps that in a shared Dropbox. And then she's got another file, which is a kind of a schedule. Uh, she calls it her editorial calendar. And it's, you know, the get the episode number, the guest name. She might have the title of the episode there. She might not. Uh, which ads are going to be run. So it's it's all detailed out there. She's thinking ahead. And if you've got that resource or you've got that document already there, then when you come up with a new idea or you want to change something, you know, the bulk of the work is done. You're not reinventing the wheel each time. So it's just a little bit of a tweak and adjustment. And then, of course, if the process is working for you, then it just makes your life a whole lot easier. Really good point. Really good point. Speaking of systems that actually make your life easier, I've recently been using Trello. Are you familiar with Trello, Steve? I've heard of it. I know Harry Duran is a big fan of that. Yeah, it's it's a neat idea. There's It's got some limitations that don't work for everything that I want. But one way I'm using it, I do three different podcasts right now personally. And each one of them, I've created its own Trello board. And you can create columns inside of Trello. I don't know that that's what they call them, but that's what I call them. And within each of those columns, you can put individual tasks or topics or subject matter that you can then drag between the columns in place wherever you want them. And so I have a column on the left-hand side that is show topic ideas is the title on it. The next one is to be recorded. The next one is recorded and needs show notes. And then the next one is ready to publish. And so I basically have the app on my phone and anytime a topic idea comes up for a show, I just pull out my app. I put it in there and drop it into that particular column of episode ideas. And then when I'm ready to go record my next episode, I'll go into Trello. I'll look at all the ideas that I have there and I'll decide which one I'm going to do. I'll pull it over into the next column. And, you know, from there, I, I move it as I work on it. But you can invite teams into Trello. So if you have a VA or somebody like that who writes show notes, you know, you can you can use Trello pretty effectively that way. I found it to be very helpful in capturing ideas as well as moving on them once I have them in place. What sort of system have you used, Steve? Well, really, I don't do a podcast anymore because I'm so busy producing other people's, but I'll tell you some of the, the resources that I use for production. And the biggest one really for me is Google Calendar, <laughs> just because I can sit there and I have the release date of everybody's episodes. So I can always look forward to, you know, what's next, what's due next, what's, what's more urgent. And then if I get them done, I just change the color from yellow or no, actually it's orange to green and green means, okay, this one's done. I don't have to worry about that one. Who's next. I think Google calendars is the biggest one for me. And that's just to keep me working in my workflow. And then of course, folder organization is huge. This has probably taken a complete left turn from what you were talking about, but I think folder organization for your projects is it's almost as important as that to-do list that you're talking about that checklist for, you know, what you do uploading to Dropbox and all that stuff, because with the folders, you don't want to misplace something. And I think every show should have their own folder, meaning if you got, Amen. Yeah, if you got three podcasts, each podcast needs its own home base, its own folder. And then inside that folder, you need to have what I call an assets folder. And that's going to hold all those elements, those pieces that you reuse over and over again. So you've got your music, you've got your pre-recorded things, you know, maybe you got ads that you rotate through. So you've got, a, a, you know, your ads in there, you got your show artwork. Those types of things are all in there, but then each episode has its own folder, which is where you keep the original source documentation. And I, I go into much more depth into, into all that. We could talk about that later if you want, but it's, you know, if you keep your folders organized, it's going to keep your life organized and you don't make those mistakes like I have, which is, oh my gosh, where did I just put that thing? You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's really a crunch when it's a client's asset that you're missing and you have to done them for it again. That's just no good. Yeah. So I totally agree with you. We do something similar in Dropbox. Every client has their own folder 
inside that folder, there's, we call them common elements, which mm-hmm. is your, your assets folder. So it's common to every episode is what we mean by that. And then there's episode specific folders that are inside the client audio folder. And then we have a, a folder as well that's finished audio or, or final audio, which is what we've produced for them. And we go from there into Libsyn or wherever they're hosting their files and, and place it there. So yeah. I, I agree with you. That folder organization is something I learned the hard way. Man, when I first started this business, I, I lost client assets right and left. And I, oh. you know, yeah. And I, <laughs> you know, I, I realized I'm bugging my clients. I'm not helping them. So, you know, systems, systems are just so huge in doing anything well and doing it consistently. And uh, that's what you're describing there. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, I'll tell you what, one of the most important things you can do as far as producing shows, either for yourself or somebody else, is to have a second copy somewhere else. So I just, when they send me something through Dropbox, I immediately make a copy on my computer. And I know then I can always go back to Dropbox if, if I lose my computer hard drive or I misplace something, I can always go back to get the original source from them. And I've even gone through and organized their folders sometimes and explained to them why I'm doing it that way. Most of the time, there's no real serious confusion there. It's just, oh, this folder's for the assets, this folder's for the done projects, and then this is you know the episode folders. But there's always a copy somewhere. If I have to go get it, it's in Google Drive, it's in Dropbox. It's always a secondary cloud backup for me. So I totally agree with you on that. I actually don't keep a copy on my computer other than what syncs from Dropbox. And the reason I don't do that is because I have on almost every show, I have another team member who's working on that show as well, either writing show notes or doing audio. And so they are going to have a copy of the assets on their computer as well through the syncing. So I just, I just let the redundancies that we have built in through syncing take care of all that. So that's, that's proved helpful in more than one occasion where somebody can't find a resource and somebody else has it. So it's, it's pretty helpful. So Steve, are you a one man show right now? Right now I am. I do outsource to one team. I've also got two other people I'm bringing on board because coming up in the next few months, late this summer, early fall, there's something big coming up on the horizon. I can't say much about it right now, but it's definitely going to bring more business into my wheelhouse. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, I can definitely uh, give you some lessons learned on building a team. Yeah. (laughs) There are all kinds of little quirks and communication errors that we've made that you know, we've learned the hard way, but that's, I mean, that's how you learn and that's how you figure out what the systems are that'll actually work for you. So, um, good on you, man, bring that team on, get them rolling. Yeah. It's, it's much better to uh, be able to manage it all than to be able to do it all. That's for sure. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, cause the point comes when you can't do it all. Not if you're successful anyway, if you're putting out a, a good product. So, Let's think here. What else can we pass along as lessons learned? Uh, any funny stories that come to mind? Things that just, you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's always a few. You want to hear them? Are they, are they ones you can share? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. These are, these are public domain comments from my clients. If I give them their names, they've, given, they've already told the story on air themselves. So I don't think I'm throwing anybody under the bus. And I've got some of my own as well. There was one time, and this is going to happen to everybody. And that is when you just forget to hit record. That little red button is not on. It's not flashing red. There's a problem. You didn't get it going. So, oh wait, wait a minute, Steve. This this episode. Oh no, never uh, mind. It's flashing. I've been watching. Yeah, we're yeah. we're definitely recording. Yeah. I've been, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be doing my due diligence if I wasn't watching that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Definitely not hitting record. But then another problem is, you know, we've always got these technical problems with our software. And most of the time it happens with Skype, right? You know, we, we hear all these problems. The, the two biggest pain points in a podcaster's life, three, the top three, we'll give you the three here. First one is Skype isn't working right or my recording software isn't working right. The second is I don't have time to edit. And the third one, is, of course, is show notes. But let's just go with the Skype one. So most of the time I've been very lucky with Skype and people have been on time. You know, we've, we've had all that. It's, it's, it's been really, I was pretty lucky most of my life. But this one time, you know, I, I set the whole half, you know, first half of the day aside to make sure I was ready because I was going to get to interview the Dan Miller. I was like, yes. Wow. I finally had a reason to have Dan on my show. It was the 10th anniversary of his book, No More Mondays. I thought this is perfect for my audience. I had the whole day. I, I, I made sure my system was booted. Everything was working. 
and we get on Skype and I can't hear him. And I'm like, what? I can't, he could hear me, but I could not hear him. I could see him. And he's typing in the chat window. He's like, well, I don't know what's going on because I just got off of another call and it was working fine. I'm like, what's going on? Oh no. Never figured it out. But you know, I rebooted my computer all the way one more time. He got off and reconnected. Somehow we got it to work, but we st- we, we still never figured out what happened. Why, why it caused that, that issue where I could not hear him. Those wonderful computer gremlins that get in there and, you know, technology's just that way. Sometimes it's got a little glitch and you can't figure it out. Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely have my share of that. I think my, my most frustrating situation was a pretty well-known British author who was a, a subject matter expert in the realm of creation versus evolution and that kind of thing. And uh, he's just a, just a, a gem of a guy. He's like in his late eighties at that time. I think he's in his early nineties now. And he told me via email, I'm not very tech savvy, which, you know, is a red flag all the time. But I thought, you know, we're going to use Zencaster. It's real simple. I just send him a link. He clicks the link and, and, and we're there. You know, there's not much right. to really deal with. So I thought this won't be an issue. Well, I get on Zencaster and I wait for like five minutes after the scheduled appointment time. He finally does click the link and he gets on and he's talking with me and he can hear me and I can hear him. And I could tell he didn't have the best microphone, but that's okay because of who he is. You know, I just want to have him on the show. And he says, so when are you going to call me? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm not going to call you. I'll just record you right here. You can hear me fine. I can hear you fine. And we'll just record it right here. And he said, oh, I don't do technology, sir. You know, in his, in his endearing British accent. And then he hangs up. <gasps> he, just hung, <laughs> he just hung up. And I was just so mortified that, you know, when he said he didn't do tech very well, he was serious. He just was so intimidated. He just didn't want to deal with it. So, But he was already on. It was already done. I mean, you didn't even have to tell him. Yeah, he didn't even realize that. I mean, I could have just started the conversation, but but in his head, you know, I was going to call him. And so he couldn't get around that hurdle of what he expected it to be. Oh, man. It was just really strange. He probably was assuming, you know, there were additional steps he was going to have to take or whatever. But anyway, that I couldn't believe that one. That was just, and I never did get the interview. He, he sent me, he sent me an email later and said, when you can figure out a way to call it without me having to get on the computer, that, that would be better. You know, it's easy. You call his cell phone or his his landline from Skype, dial it and yeah, (laughs) yeah, credits and go. Yeah. And that's what probably what I should have done. That was back in the first bit of my podcasting career. So, you know, I just kind of felt intimidated, I think, and Mm. and dropped the ball. But anyway, you know, there's always things like that that happen technically. And and we all probably have our funny stories. I'm trying to think of some. I've got a couple more here. Yeah, go for it. And this is going back to, again, Skype. And, And this is eating into your bandwidth is if you've got Skype recorder or whatever you're using to record, saving to... Dropbox or Google Drive while you're recording. Oh yeah, what you're doing now is you're taking, you got your conversation going through Skype or through ZenCaster or whatever. Well, ZenCaster doesn't count because they they record it for you. But Skype is recording, uh, whatever you got recording your Skype conversation recording should be recording on your hard drive. But I had a client who had it recording to Dropbox, which not only did the conversation of her talking to her guest have to go back and forth through her bandwidth. But now she's uploading the data to Dropbox at the exact same time. Most of the time, that doesn't cause too much of a problem. But if your bandwidth at all drops for any reason, then you start to get the choppy sound and and it just ruins the recording. So if you're saving with whatever software you're recording with, save locally. When you're done, immediately upload it to the cloud. So you got that second copy somewhere else. Yeah. And that reminds me of just another real simple little tip that a lot of people don't think about. And I totally get why they don't think about it is because, you know, you're just operating throughout your day. Your internet's working fine. You're not worried about it, but you're not mindful necessarily that you're on Wi-Fi <laughs> and recording long distance like that and recording to your hard drive when you're on Wi-Fi often, you know, Wi-Fi is just not as stable as a wired connection. And so that's part of my checklist is I make sure my Wi-Fi is off and my wire is plugged in so that I can go direct to my modem. It just makes for less trouble, you know, less possibilities of, yeah. of a glitch of some sort. So that's but just one thing. If you're traveling, you don't have that option. Yeah. A lot of times you don't. I'll tell you what, though. This is a couple of years ago. So I imagine that the technology is even better now than it was back then. But I had been, again, I had a day job. I was on the road a lot. 
And so I had this interview scheduled while I was in the hotel room. I thought, okay, I'll just use a hotel Wi-Fi, and you know, I've never had a problem. I get there and their internet's out. I mean, it's been out all day and they, they can't tell me when it's going to be up again. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Well, I had just gotten my iPhone probably, you know, six, seven months earlier. And I was like, oh, there's this personal hotspot thing. What is that? Turn on the personal hotspot. It turns my phone into a Wi-Fi hotspot, meaning I can get the internet through it to my computer. So I use that as my internet connection, dialed the person up on Skype. We had the conversation and it was great. I was surprised at how well that actually worked in place of hotel Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, that actually works really well. And I think with more and more people going to unlimited data plans on their smartphones, that's really a better choice than a hotel Wi-Fi. Cause you know, yeah. you never know if somebody's going to be streaming Netflix in the room next to you or whatever. You know, when I go to a coffee shop and stuff like that, just for security reasons, I've started using it. Uh, but, but I digress. We are, <laughs> we are getting far afield. So, you know, I'm trying to think of funny stories of things that have happened to clients. I mean, like I mentioned, a kid running into the room, that was funny. You also hear, you know, dogs barking. I had one, one client whose cat walked across her computer screen as she was in the midst of a Skype conversation. And I don't know what the cat did, but you know how cats can be. They can just get a little feisty sometimes, but the client went ballistic in the middle of the <laughs> recording. You're all this screaming and running and, and there was actually a Skype recording. So you could see her scrambling away from her computer and her headphones yanked off. And I, I never got the story of what happened, but she just said her cat did something and probably had know. a mouse in its mouth or something. <laughs> yeah. Probably, but you know, that's just funny stuff that happens, you know. <laughs> well, I can share another one. Uh, Joe Salcihai from the Stacking Benjamin show. He's one of my biggest clients and I, I've been a listener of his show since the beginning, but he'll tell you the story that he had everything set up right for uh, connecting with this big name guest. And it was like 10 minutes after their scheduled time to connect. And he's like, oh, what's going on? 15 minutes later, nothing. So he's like, fine. You know, so he sent an email to the guy's assistant. And said, okay, you know, we were supposed to meet. Don't know what happened. We'll just have to reschedule. 15 minutes later, he gets an email back saying, oh, we'd schedule this for tomorrow. And he looks and he, he finds out that, yeah, he had the wrong date on his calendar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think we can all kind of relate to something like that with time zones. Time zones are a big pain. Yeah. If you don't have some kind of a scheduling app that kind of adjusts for people who are in New York, has a, have a different time zone than I do in in central time and Pacific time is, you know, three hours off in New York. So you can just imagine the headaches that are started just because we all want to meet at two o'clock, but two o'clock, what time zone, you know? So yeah, yeah. make sure you're clear on that when you schedule it the day before you, you actually get on the morning of send a reminder, Hey, we're meeting at 12 o'clock central time or, you know, start with Eastern time. I think a lot of people are more familiar with what Eastern time is and they can then adjust from, well, if it's, you know, if it's 12 noon in New York and I'm in California, that means 9 a.m. my time. Yeah, that's a great point. And I've gotten to the point where if I can't do it through a scheduling app, I usually just, you know, am way too anal about figuring out the time zone thing because the scheduling app takes care of all that. Yeah. And I don't have to worry about it. And it automatically schedules to my calendar and all that stuff. So, you know, if you're setting up interviews and you're not using a scheduling app, there's a lot of free ones out there. At least they're free up to a certain point. I use one called youcanbook.me. There's another one called Schedule Once. There's what, Schedule E or something like that. I don't know all of them. Calendly, Calendly. or something yeah, there's there's a handful of them out there that all do basically the same thing. But, you know, it's all about interface and what you want it to look like and what you want it to do. So, you know, check those out. Those are all very helpful. You know, another thing I just that just came to my mind about just a tip for people is to keep in mind while you're recording your podcast that I guess theoretically a podcast episode can last forever. You know, so it can be on the Internet, on iTunes, in your feed virtually forever if you want it to be so keep that in mind as you say things on your podcast you know and as and as you refer to things keep in mind someone three years from now may may be saying this so if you're referring to a current event you know maybe briefly describe what it is so that someone three years from now gets what you're talking about they, they have some context if you're referring to an event you're going to do make sure you say the year of the event i can't tell you the number of times I hear a client say coming up in February is a great event. And 
you know, someone could listen to that three years from now and be all excited about your event. And then they go to your website. And it's not there yeah. because it was, it was three years previous. So, you know, just keep those things in mind. It's, it's great that they're evergreen and that they're there forever, but it's also something you just have to be mindful of. Yeah. I was just listening back to a episode that I recorded two years ago. Don't know why I was listening to it. I just happened to bump into it. I was probably doing some research. Nostalgia. Yeah, that's it. I just like to hear myself talk, right? <laughs> and I, I heard myself saying a webinar coming up on blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, I probably need to take that out. But yeah, that's you know, in there. It's too much trouble to take it out. But I, I, I have to look and see if I actually said the year in there. Yeah, it's just, I mean, there's just all kinds of little details like that, which are partly, you know, some of what can be on that checklist too. I have a few things on mine that are every episode issues, you know, and they're just reminders for me, you know, reminder, say the date, you know, um, um, speak clearly, you know, whatever, uh, whatever it is that are my little pet peeves for, for how I want to sound on air. So anyway, it's funny. And I think one last thing I would say just as a, a word of advice is it, it takes some work to do. And it sounds funny once you hear me say it, that it takes work to do, but be yourself. You know, I hear people all the time trying to put on a radio sounding voice or trying to, you know, be all professional and, and man, it comes across so much better when you're just yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have clients say, oh, I hate the way I sound. Well, who cares? Your audience probably doesn't hate the way you sound. Uh, in fact, they've self-selected you to talk to them about your topic. So apparently the way you sound doesn't deter them. Just be yourself. Just talk the way you talk. And if you have, you know, filler words and things like that, that you want to get rid of editing works, or you can work on those things. There's no reason you can't, but you know, just be yourself, relax, take a deep breath, make it, make it fun. And I think that's very important to pose that to your guest before they come on. Oh yeah. And during the first couple of minutes, just to say, look, this is a relaxed conversation, or we just want to hear about your story, or we want to know about, about your book or whatever. And if they haven't already been, you know, recording a bunch of different shows, this is maybe their, you know, first, second, third time on a show, get them to relax because once somebody is a little more, we'll just start by, let, let me say it this way. If you're in a conversation with someone, they don't say, um, uh, you know, as often as when they think they're being recorded. Once that microphone is hot, once the red light is on, all of a sudden it's like game time. I got to be perfect. And for some reason, the brain triggers this whole, um, uh, and, you know, and that it's a killer for conversations. Just get, get rid of some of the junk by getting them relaxed from the start, let them be themselves and you'll have a much better time recording. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I usually will try in most cases, unless it's someone I've already interacted with quite a bit, I'll try to have a five, 10 minute conversation kind of off the topic of what we're going to be talking about before we even hit record. Just to get them loosened up, get them familiar with me, get them to trust me, you know, a little more that I'm not going to, you know, blindside them with some risque question or whatever, you know, you never know what people think this interview is going to be about. So it's good just to build some rapport and get, get to feeling like you know each other a little bit before you hit record. And it, it helps a ton. I think I heard Tim Ferriss say one time that he usually will make a point of revealing something about himself that's a little vulnerable in that pre-show conversation. And he's found that what it does is it puts the guest in a place where they feel willing to be a little more vulnerable at that point, because he's already gone first. I thought that was just brilliant. What, what's your take that on that, was, Steve? Uh, you know, that sounds like a fantastic idea because not only is your guest, you know, a little more comfortable during a conversation, but I think that endears you to your audience more. Yeah, absolutely. Let them see your failings a little bit and that kind of thing. Steve, this has been fun. Is there anything, you know, we can do as a podcastification audience to help you? What would you like us to look at that you're up to? Uh, me specifically. I mean, things are just so great here. I'm not going to ask for anything. If you do want to follow me or if you want to learn more about how to edit with Audacity, I've got a course. I've got a website for that. It's audacityworkshop.com. You can find me there. You can find my course there. And uh, I've got a Facebook group that I love to have more podcast editors join and they, they can just search Facebook for podcast editors. It's the podcast editors hangout group. Carrie, you're one of our, our honored guests there. And it's just been amazing that 
that community that's grown there in the past three months or four months that it's been in existence, we've grown to almost 400 people in just a short period of time. And I'll tell you, there's a lot of conversations going on there and it's not what microphone do you use? It's editing, it's processes, it's best practices for producing shows, which I think is very, very important. Yeah. And, and keep in mind, if you do your own podcast and you don't outsource things, you are a podcast editor. <laughs> you, yes, you are. You can belong to the community. So, Steve, thanks so much for that. And Steve is also pretty active on social media, on uh, Twitter and Facebook. I see him on there all the time. So make sure you find him there. I'll put links to him and his website, his stuff in the show notes for this episode. So if you are on a smartphone, remember, you can just swipe right or left or up or down or do a little jig. And, you know, the, the show notes will magically appear and you can find, <laughs> find the links right there. So uh, do your best to connect with Steve. I know he would love to hear from you. Every, every time I've had a conversation with him, he's just a genuine guy who, who brings the value. So I appreciate that. Steve, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, we just kind of threw this together and I think it turned out pretty good. What do you think? Yeah. So when are you going to call me? I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I don't do technology. <laughs> no, you. I, I don't believe you because you didn't say it in an endearing <laughs> British accent. Uh. <laughs> it's been a great time, Carrie. Yeah. Thank you so much. You bet, Steve. Hello. Isn't Steve Stewart just a great guy? He's just a lot of fun and he's doing great work in the podcasting space. You know, he's kind of competition for my company, but nah, he's not really. There's a lot of people that need podcast editing services. And so if for some reason you don't want to contact me, hey, contact Steve. You can find him on his website at stevestewart.me. He's also got that Audacity Workshop that you can get at audacityworkshop.com. And he runs a podcast editor's Facebook group. And I have links to all these things in the show notes for this episode, which you can find on that smart device you're probably holding in your hand right now. And one other resource I wanted to mention that I didn't think about during the recording, but I wanted to do for you is I created a quick video showing you how I use Trello to keep track of episode ideas and workflow for my publication. You can find that in those fancy dancy schmancy show notes as well. So you know what time it is. It's time for you to go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Audio editing and show notes by podcastfasttrack.com. Get 15% off your first month by mentioning this show. Sorry, Steve. I had something in another window going crazy there for a second. And go, what well, is I hope that? your editors can take care of that. Yeah, I think they probably can. So. <laughs> <laughs>